Good morning. Morning. Morning, everyone here. Good morning, everyone tuning in. Glad y'all could make it. Glad we could make it. And glad it's warm in the building. I am glad it's warm in the building. Um, <clears throat> There's just been a, a couple things that have been on my heart for maybe a week, week and a half, and I'm, it's, it's actually what I'm sharing on in my classes. And uh, one of the things that the Lord used to get my attention, and I say it that way, is because usually the Lord has to take the initiative and not just usually, he always has to take the initiative for all of us, for every single one of us. I remember when, um, when I was working at Boeing that uh, I had a friend, a believer, a brother in the Lord, <coughs> and he, he explained to me once the differences between <laughs> salvation by works and salvation by grace. And it, it's, it's kind of, it's, well, I'll just, I'll just mention what he said, Brother Bruce Lyles. He said, salvation by works, and these are just examples just to you know, get our attention. Um, salvation by works is like man is in a pit trying to climb his way out. And then he said, uh, salvation by works and grace or grace and works is man is in a pit and God throws down a rope. And then he said, and salvation by grace is God throws down the rope but the man is dead in the pit. And that is actually more true than what we realize from before we, were, we are born again and in this sense of being utterly and completely powerless after we are born again. There is nothing that a soul can do whatsoever to be born again. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It is a complete miracle of God where God himself takes the initiative and does by his spirit what is required for our heart to turn to the Lord, which is a true repentance when the heart actually turns to the Lord. From that moment onward, from the moment of new birth onward, we are still as powerless in that which is concerning the eternal, concerning God himself, concerning reality, concerning Christ as we were before. I think Paul mentioned it this way, uh, he might have been speaking to the Galatians. Forgive me if it wasn't the Galatians. He said, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? It's like, no, you, you can't, you, you couldn't do it. You couldn't come to begin with. What makes us think that we can go on in our own ability afterwards? It was never our ability whatsoever. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, and I love this, I love this, uh, You've, you've heard the Beatitudes, 
blessed are the, blessed are the, and all this, and everyone, everyone tries to, okay, blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Oh, Raven, could you unplug the camcorder? Forgot to do that. Thank you. Just unplug it from the, the Furman, the Foreman. No, 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 not from the top, not from the top, from the bottom, 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 just unplug it. <laughs> Sorry, it's my, my compulsiveness. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but the Beatitudes, after a while, after a long while, I began to just say, you know what? We've got it all wrong. Man has declared it the Beatitudes, and that's not right. It is the impossibilities. All of it, the impossibilities. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he said, what must I do? And this was just for new birth. This was just to walk through the door into the house. What must I do that I might have eternal life? Jesus said, okay, you want something to do? How about this? He gives him something out of the law. Well, I have done that. And it's almost like the rich young ruler telling Jesus, I have been the imposture of you to the T. And so Jesus' response to that is like, okay, uh, then how about this then? And see, that brought in this person's heart the knowledge that he could not do it. And sadly, he left. When, when our hearts, I mean, it takes, I don't know how long it takes for each one of us. Each one of us is different. It takes a good work of the Holy Spirit that continues throughout salvation. First, to bring us unto salvation, and then to continue throughout salvation, to just make us know that we, we're completely, utterly powerless to do anything, and therefore we actually and truly must trust the ability of another. Not ourselves, but another. And see, the Lord brought him to that point where he realized, I can't do this. And instead of Confessing to the Lord that, I cannot do this. He left. But Peter pipes up and says, well, okay, well, if he can't do it, what about us? You know, we've been following you. We can't even do what he did. And here's where Jesus gives the answer. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And where I've been in Genesis, it's Genesis chapter 16, and the whole situation is this, is that God had promised to Abram a seed, a son, an heir. And after, I don't know how long, maybe 10 years, maybe a little less of that promise, uh, they began to consider things. Abram and Sarai began to consider things. Well. This is what the Lord promised, but we don't see it. There's no evidence of it. There's no evidence of, of any 
seed of any son of any heir whatsoever. And at that moment, whether it be Sarai or Abram as well, either of them, they begin, bless you, they begin to consider that they actually have some ability whatsoever. Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? And we, we of course know the results of that, it's Ishmael. But <clears throat> everything, and I actually jotted this down, and this, this is what Abram, at that moment, didn't realize. Because had he, he would have trusted in the Lord and waited upon the Lord. Everything that God declared to Abram, this is before his name was changed, everything that God declared to Abram that God himself was going to show or give unto Abram, listen to this, was to be fully realized in the person of Christ his son. When the Lord declared to Abram concerning a seed, the Lord was declaring to Abram concerning God's very own seed. Because Isaac is a testimony of Christ, whether Abram realized that or not. See, way back from the beginning, uh, Acts chapter 7, verse, verses 1 through like 3 or 4, the God of glory appears unto Abram. God steps into time, takes the initiative, and appears. To me, that's like Abram being born again. Because what happens is that Abram was actually on one course, and after the God of glory appears, Abram is now on a different course. No one can do that. No one can do that. Only God. And he's, the, the Lord says this, God says this, get thee out, let me just go ahead and read it, um, and said unto him, get thee out of thy land, excuse me, thy country, and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. And even with, with what he declared as concerning coming to the land, it had nothing to do with like a piece of property land, but the Lord himself declaring his son himself, God always has his son in view. With every promise, with everything that he's, that he's given or declared, his son is always in view. God is continually declaring, testifying his, of his very own son. Jesus said it this way. He was like, eternal life, you Jews, I know you are, you are searching for eternal life. You're searching for it in the scriptures. And the scriptures, they testify of me. And you will not come to me. Everything in the scriptures, and we know this, we know, yes, I know this. Everything in the scriptures testify of Christ. Well, Abram, everything that God declared testifies of Christ. Oh, well, God's going to give me a son. Abram, everything God declares testifies of his son, not yours. Christ, God's son, not the son of flesh, the son of man, in the sense of what man can produce, 
So with Genesis chapter 16, Abram, Sarai, they didn't, they didn't see the promise as being Christ himself. See, and we know that. We, we know, or we should know, or we should be convinced, we cannot produce Christ. We cannot produce life. No, this is God. God does this. He does this. Whenever, however, form, fashion, that is his. That is his. It's, that's not our, ours. Ours. What I mean by ours might make sense if I say it this way. Ours is to trust in the Lord that trust mixed in with an expectation of his son. That's it. That's it. That's it. So at that moment, Abram and Sarai, they just didn't see that what God had promised was his very own son. So they went about to bring about, to, set, to, to produce what they believed God had promised. Of course, later on afterwards, and I love this, after Isaac is born, after Isaac is born, you never hear any mention of, of Egypt, and I'll have to search this out. <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just throwing it out there, of Abram going down to Egypt, or Abram now doing in his own ability again to produce what God had declared, you don't find that. You don't find that. And see, that's the whole thing, is that when the Lord does declare, it is declaring unto his son, the fulfillment unto his son, we're, we're just, just like Abram and everybody else, we're still convinced that we can actually do something, that we can that we can, whether, whether that be come to God's will, understand God's will, or un come to God's purpose, to understand God's purpose, we still think we have some, we, we, we can actually accomplish something by our own ability. And see, what, what we're actually doing by that is we're doing this right here, putting a, a big stop sign before the Holy Spirit, because as long as I can, and I am convinced that I can, then we are in essence, in essence arresting the work of the Holy Spirit in our heart. But he continues, he continues faithful unto the Son, always unto the Son, always unto Christ. First, as, as the one who, who appears in the soul, as, as the reality of God appearing in the soul, everything that God will ever give to the soul, and then as the very knowledge of the one who's present. I love it uh, last week how Raven was just sharing this because it came out really well. We cannot add to nor take away what God hath done at the moment of new birth. We didn't do it, therefore we cannot undo it. Remember, what God hath joined, let no man put asunder. You can't do it. You can't mess it up. You can't. This is God's doing, okay? It's the same way with the Lord making known the one who is present. We still can't do it. We still can't mess it up. It is like a guarantee for sure, for sure, you know? The Lord is continually preparing the ground of our heart, and I say it this way, I've always said it so that our heart may turn, but the heart turns when finally we begin to confess, you know what, I can't do this, God. I can't do this, Lord. This walk, 
or what, I, what I'd heard in times past, this walk, I can't even, I can talk, but I can't walk. Well, actually, my talking is nothing and my walking is nothing as well. Because that's my, 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 me, 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 mine, 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 mine. And with the Lord, it's not like that. With the Lord, it's his son, his son. But see, we're still trusting on ourselves. And see, that's the whole thing. We have trusted in ourselves for so long that to begin to trust in the ability of another is like, if I let go, I don't know what'll happen. But it's a trust, placing trust in the one who has all ability for everything. And that's why it's mercy. Mercy is extended to one who is completely powerless in a situation or a circumstance or whatever, or a condition. That's mercy. When there's one who's completely powerless to get out of that condition that they're in, one extends mercy who is all powerful. That's why they cried out for mercy unto Christ several times. That's why they declared the mercy of God in the Old Testament several times. Because they saw that in and of themselves they could do nothing. And the Lord set it up that way if you think about it. He would allow the circumstances to run their course and that's why you have like one example of this with, with Israel coming out of Egypt and now you've got Pharaoh's armies bearing down on them to destroy them and they're going berserk. It's like they're going to kill us, they're going to kill us. And here the Lord steps in, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What he will do this day. And that's just one example out of so many. Another one, Gideon. Gideon, oh gosh, the Lord, the Lord t t tells Gideon, no, that's too many. That's too many to accomplish what I'm going to accomplish. Lest they pride themselves, boast themselves in their ability. No, he weeds them out until they can look around and say, you know what? I think we're doomed. We don't have a chance as long as they consider their ability. I believe we must trust in the Lord. Because we certainly can't do this. And then the Lord shows himself, makes himself known. Listen, they discover the Lord who is present. So much so that their rejoicing now is unto the Lord. Their glory is now in the Lord. And when they come and say, oh, Gideon, you, you, you. He's like, I didn't do anything. The Lord wrought this delivery. I didn't do this. Placing glory, placing honor upon whom it belongs. Okay. So uh, where I was reading in Acts chapter 7, I'll just go ahead and continue reading. Well, I'll just read verses one through one, one through four. Then said the high priest, and this is this is uh, Stephen declaring, if you will, the eternal purpose of God for creating the soul. He's testifying of Christ. Then the high priest uh, asked Stephen, "Are these things so?" And and Stephen said, "Men, brethren, fathers, and fathers, hearken! The God of glory appeared." It didn't say Abram got tired of taking care of his father's idols, of selling his father's idols. No, it didn't say that Abram just got tired of 
of Ur, no. Of Babylon, no. It doesn't say anything. It says, the God of glory appeared. The Lord took the initiative. God himself took the initiative. God stepped in. Unto our father Abram, Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia, this is Ur of the Chaldees, uh, before he dwelt in Quran, which is Haran. And he said unto him, and get this, this is God speaking, remember? Think of the rich young ruler. Think of the impossible, impossibility attitudes, right? And said unto him, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Now, doesn't that sound like God giving well, it's more than just God saying, do this. It's a command. It's actually a command. A command. One in authority giving command unto another. Now, that sounds like, oh, wow, God just told me to do this. Now I need to do this. Right? That, that's exactly what it sounds like. Get thee out of thy land from thy kindred and come into the land that I will show thee. That sounds like God's telling me to do something. Now I need to do it. Abram. Look at verse 4. Then came he out of the land, out of the Chaldeans, out of the land of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in Haran, Quran. And from thence, when his father was dead, God removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. Okay. There's Ur, Babylon, there's Haran. And then there's Canaan, the promised land. And actually, geographically, it's Ur, Haran, Canaan. I mean, it's, it all, in our mind, seems backwards, right? We're going backwards. No, we're not. It says that the Lord removed Abram while he was in Haran unto the land. Well, that must mean that Abram, in his own ability, left Ur the Chaldees. God gave him a command. God said, do this. Abram, he did as much as he could. And he got as far as he could, and we call that Haran. And then God did the rest. That's kind of how it seems, right? Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans. That's, that's exactly what it sounds like. Abram went as far as he could go with what he knew of what God had said. But see, that's not the case. Here's some other verses, and I love these. This is Genesis chapter 15, and I didn't, let me reference these. Genesis chapter 15, verse 7. And God said unto him, the Lord said unto him, unto Abram, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. So who did what? God told Abram something, and what God declared, God only could accomplish, bring to fruition. It's like Jesus saying, you must be born again. And I love the response of, uh, of Nicodemus. Well, sort of. 
because he begins using his own mind. Oh, okay, I understand the, the phrase born again because they actually used that. They used, that's not, a, that's not like the first time on the scene. No, the phrase you must be born again was something that the Jews used to declare to the Gentiles, you must be born again. You must be basically converted into Judaism. But he, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, who is a Jew? And so his mind is saying, I'm already a Jew. Okay, so I then have to go back into my mother's womb and come out another new Jew then. Because I'm already a Jew, I must be the wrong Jew or something. I must, and so that's his whole comprehension. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again. The response that comes only out of a confession of seeing one's own inability for anything would have been, I can't. I cannot. There's no power in me to do that. I have no power to do that. It's, it's impossible. Genesis chapter 15, verse 7. And he said, the Lord said unto Abram, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee, to give thee, to give thee this land to inherit it. This is Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 7 through 8. Uh, this is after actually the reading of the law. And they begin praising and glorifying God for 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 him, for, for how great he is. Not how great they are, but for how great he is. See, that's what reading of the law and the understanding of the law does. It turns our heart to the Lord. It takes all of our, the attention of our heart off of us for once. And we begin to consider another. Nehemiah chapter 9, Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram, and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gavest him the name Abraham, and foundest, foundest, you found his heart faithful before thee, and made a covenant with him to give the land of, to give to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it, I say, to his seed, and I love this. He just, he just doesn't leave it there. He's, this is what you promised, Lord. This is what you did. This is what you promised. And thou hast performed thy words, for thou art righteous. You not only declared, you performed. You not only declared, you are the only one who could perform. And if you've ever read the book of Judges in the Old Testament, you, you find this, this kind of like an up and down thing, you know? There's, there's still some inhabitants in the land, and, and at one point they, 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 beat, they beat their inhabitants, they drive their inhabitants out, they get the victory, and then it says something like, and they begin to trust in themselves, consider themselves, and then they begin losing left and right, but hey, what about, we've, we've got all this, it doesn't matter what, what you think you have, in a sense. Your abilities, our abilities, matter not in this. Our abilities mattered in the world. 
but in the creation of God, our abilities are useless. If anything, our abilities just get in the way. They prolong, you know. With everything God declares, he always has his son in view. Always. Always. We just don't, we, we don't consider Jesus. We don't consider Christ Jesus. We, we're still considering ourselves. I, uh, I remember when I was first born again, I can't remember what someone shared to me. Oh, God wants to da-da-da-da-da. And instantly my, my attention was on me and what I would get from God. But see, I'll just say this. I'm trying to think of a good example. Okay, I'll, I'll use this. The Lord wants to bless you with wisdom. Wisdom's good. Praise God, I'm going to get wisdom. What about Jesus? Oh, well, he's the means to the end. No, 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 no. The Lord declares his son. We're just to, once again, caught up with considering something less than his son. The Lord promises something. For those who are not born again, the promise is his son. For those who are born again, the promise is now the knowledge of his son who is present. Because we have everything we will ever have from God. Everything that God has ever desired to give to a soul, what he actually created a soul for, he has given that soul at the moment of new birth. The thing is, we have no clue. We have no clue the great gift of God who is present. We have no clue. We have everything. I mean, I'm thinking of the children of Israel. While they, after the Lord brought them out, of Egypt from among the dead unto himself on eagle's wings unto himself. They are still in a desert because they don't see that. They don't see reality. They don't see the truth. So they're still acting like, oh man, not another day of this. You know, God, I need this. And no, now I want this. Oh, it was better in Egypt. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And then the Lord takes the initiative. He tells Moses, let them build me a tabernacle so they can know that I am in the midst among them. And when the tabernacle was, was completed, the Lord filled it with his own glory. And, let, and he says this, and let, basically let them be led by my glory. Because if the glory cloud lifted, the cloud of glory lifted from the tabernacle, Israel didn't take another step. But when it moved, then they moved. When it remained, then they remained. God was present the whole entire time, and they knew it not. Therefore, they considered something less. I love this. To give it, I say, to his seed, and hast performed thy words, for thou art righteous. So I'm back with my example of wisdom. If God ever puts it on your heart, hey, I want to bless you with wisdom, that's the knowledge of his son. 
That's the knowledge of the wisdom that is present in Christ himself. The wisdom that we have no clue about. Why? Because we're currently leaning upon our own wisdom. Our own understanding. I don't want to say it's funny, but the Lord knows what will motivate us. He does. He, he does. He does. He knows what will motivate me. But see, I don't, I don't see it like he does. We don't see it like he does. See, our motivation, in our minds, our motivation is, oh, we take this step towards what the Lord has said. In his mind, it's, oh, I prepared the ground of the heart to whatever degree so that it may just turn just that much more to my son. Because that's what he does. By the work of his spirit, preparing the ground of our heart for our heart to turn unto his son. And see, sometimes we get so caught up with uh, considering ourselves. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> maybe I'm just the reject. Or maybe I am just a reject. Or maybe I'm just becoming aware of me, of my ability. And so caught up like a little Tasmanian devil, not knowing which way is left or right, up or down, you're just so caught up in a little sandstorm. And then the Lord just kind of takes the initiative as he always does, breaks in enough that everything is dispersed. And the sun begins to shine. And what are you left with? Thank you, Lord. The attention of the heart has now been placed upon Christ. To whatever degree, the attention of the heart has been shifted from considering self, something less, it doesn't matter what it is, unto considering Christ himself. That word show, I like it. We're uh, back to Acts chapter 7, verse, I think it's verse 3, where the Lord is basically telling Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. The, sh the term show basically means this. It's to show exposed to the eyes Metaphorically, to give evidence of or proof of a thing. Now remember, Abram had never gone to Canaan. He had probably didn't, I don't know if he knew if it existed or not, but the scriptures did not say anything about Abram having gone to Canaan before the Lord appeared. So in essence, because the book of Hebrews says it, he went out not knowing So his confession could have been, Lord, how will I know, listen to this, how will I know when I arrive in Canaan? The Lord will show himself as the proof. As the evidence 
And then it won't be such a thing of, oh, it's about, no, it's not about the land. It's about the Lord who is in the land. And Abram discovered the Lord who who is ever present in the land. He discovered. Discovery, I like this, discovery has the, the connotation of this, that it's there, we just don't know it's there. That is discovery. It's already there. Hey, it's been hidden for ages. Let's go, you know, take a Indiana Jones trip. You know, let's discover the hidden treasures. They're there. We just haven't seen it. So until we see it, to us, it is as though it's a legend, story, Solomon's minds that Daniel was talking about the other time. Well, maybe they're, maybe they're not there. Well, some, these people say that they're, I don't know. I've never seen it, you know. With those examples, the Lord doesn't give us examples like that. He gives us a true expectation. Remember, God just doesn't say something. No, no. What God says, he alone performs. And what God says is true. Come unto a land I will show thee. God says with the intention of performing. His expectation is always his son. Always his son. Always his son. Remember what Jesus said. You search the scriptures. It's all the scriptures. You think you have eternal life. Then he says this. They are they that testify of me. And you will not come to me to find what you are looking for. I'm looking for eternal life. You have to find it in Christ. As God makes known his son. I'm looking for wisdom, knowledge, understanding. You have to find it in Christ as God makes known his son. I'm looking for the blessing. You have to find it in Christ as God makes known his son. Everything. Well, the Lord promised to Abram a seed, a son, an heir. You have to find it in Christ as God makes known his son. Well, I know, but yeah, but now in today's modern day, 2017, the Lord promised me this. You have to find it in Christ when the Lord makes known his son. But the reason why we don't think like that is because we're still considering something less than Christ. We are. The writer of Hebrews said, consider Christ Jesus. Consider him. Okay. It's there also like a command. Do this. What we should be thinking, and we should be like, if we truly process it correctly, it's almost like the scarecrow. If we truly process it correctly, we would confess, I cannot. There's nothing I can do to consider this one. Lord, cause me to consider. I can't. The the confession of the wisest man on the earth. Lord, thy servant is but a child, and I know not. And we we look at that, and we may think, oh, but, but the Apostle Paul said, be not as children. No. But see, Jesus also said this. 
when his disciples asked him, well, who is the greatest among us? And the Lord says, bring me that little child in the midst. But why does he do that? Listen, a child is utterly and completely dependent upon another. If you look at a little infant, he can't feed himself. He can't change himself. He can't take care of himself. He can't pay the bills. He can't go out and work. He can't do this. He can't do that. You know what? He's utterly dependent upon another. And thus begins to trust the other for, listen, everything. The wisest man on earth, King Solomon, thy servant is but a child, I know not. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. An understanding heart is a heart that is, listen, obedient unto the voice. That's all it is. That's what an understanding heart is. Is that when it hears the voice, it responds. It turns to see the voice. And I love this. It says that the thing that Solomon asked pleased the Lord. Because Solomon confessed his inability, his powerlessness. And had to trust in another. So much so that the Lord's response was that he filled the temple. Okay? With Abram, back to Abram, with Abram, we know at in Genesis chapter 16, he considered himself, he considered Sarah, Sarai at the time, Sarai. And what they could do. And what they could do according to the laws of the land, according to what they knew. But also, I love this. In Romans, ah, oh, well, let me just, concerning that, concerning the word consider, from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, uh, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, this is all who are born again. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now, once again, the word consider is in the imperative mood, like a command, do this. But see, just like when the Lord told Abram, get thee out from, come unto, we cannot, but another can. I cannot, but the Lord can. So there begins to build the trust in the Lord for everything, everything. Not, 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 what, not what my brain can accomplish. My brain can accomplish what we would call Ishmael. That's what my brain accomplishes. It's what I think is the mind of the Lord, the evidence, but it's not what God intended. Remember, his son, his son, whom Isaac is a testimony of. What only God can do. So the word uh, consider there in Hebrews 
It says, to perceive, remark, observe, understand, to consider, actively fix one's eyes or mind upon. This is the Strong's Dictionary. That, oh, that was the Online Bible Greek lexicon. This is Strong's Dictionary. To observe fully. Behold, consider, discover, perceive. I love the way they throw that word in there. One of the ways it's translated, discover. Implying he is present. Christ Jesus is present. In Romans, it's, <laughs> sorry, it's almost like buried treasure. <laughs> this is a terrible example because it's, it comes so short of, of reality, but it's almost like buried treasure. For one, for one you've got to be convinced of, that the map is true. Once you're convinced that the map is true, you're pretty excited and you're doing everything you can to go find the treasure. Well, you go, you're digging, and you're not finding. The fact is, we cannot dig to find this one. We cannot dig with the right tools, equipment, or anything to find this one who's present. We can do absolutely nothing to find the treasure that is in the vessel. We can do absolutely nothing to make him known. It's like what John the Baptist said. Basically, they came asking, John, you're baptizing. Why are you baptizing? Why are you doing what you're doing? Right? Your ministry is baptizing. Why are you doing that? Well, he says this. Because there stands one among you whom you do not know. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water that you might know. Now, was John going to make him known? No. No. John was only going to give a testimony declaring the treasure that was present whom they didn't know. Just like the scriptures testifying of Christ who is present whom we do not know. For the one who's not born again, that Christ may be present. For the one who is born again, the one who is present, who fills the house completely with his own glory, his own self. Romans <clears throat> chapter 4. I love this. This is back to Abram once again. I'm, I'm still in, chap in chapter 16 of uh, Genesis where... Ishmael is birthed. I'm not yet in chapter 17 yet. It's, it's still Ishmael. And Abram was convinced. I mean, he was convinced when Ishmael was born that that was God's promise. He was convinced that something other than Christ, the son of the living God himself, was the promise, what God had promised. I was asked once, because I don't, I don't, obviously I guess I don't communicate it, but I was asked once, Jimmy, 
do you believe in prosperity? I guess the way what they were thinking, the prosperity gospel or something, you know? Do you believe in prosperity? I said, absolutely, yes. But our prosperity is Christ himself. God wants to prosper you, brother, sister. Yes, I get a new car. No, 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 no. We're considering something less. How is it? When I, when I worked at Harps, I mean, it's funny. In this natural realm, I'm pretty poor. <laughs> my paychecks at Harps would have shown you that. But uh, one, of my, one of my coworkers knew me. He knew me. And so this one lady, uh, we, we were working. We were putting some frozen stuff away. This is, trust me, just go with it. We were putting some groceries away. And she goes, you know, I only see you here once a week. Well, first of all, my, my wee little brain messes stuff up. If here at the research center, if, if I'm not fully concentrating to try to do stuff. So I tried two, two, two times a week. That didn't work. I messed stuff up. I was having to redo stuff. But anyway, she goes, you must be rich. And I turned to her and I said, I have wealth beyond your wildest dreams. And the guy who was next to me knew what I was saying. She unfortunately didn't. And I am still, still not knowing the full extent of the wealth we all have. Because our wealth, our worth, is not measured by what can be seen by the natural eye. It is measured by Christ himself and nothing less. Now you say that to someone who's not born again, they're going to think you're out of your mind, which is fine. It's fine. I'm just not in their mind. I'm not, I'm not in their mind. When you confess something like that, no, you're not in your mind. You're in the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ governs when you declare something like that. When you declare Christ himself as the sole object of God, you are not in your mind. You're governed by the mind of Christ because you are considering him and not something less. In Romans chapter four, I love this, verse 17 through 22, as it is written, uh, the Lord speaking concerning Abraham, Abram, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, verse 18, who against hope in hope believed in hope. This is Abram. Does it say? Yes, it goes on to say, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Verse 19, and he being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Now, some manuscripts have the term not in there where it says he considered not his own body, and some manuscripts 
uh, took it out where it says he did consider his body. Well, the thing is, if he, you can look at it this way, he considered, he didn't consider himself. Why? Because he knew he was dead, had no power whatsoever, and had to rely upon the power of another, the ability of another in that which pertains to God, in that which pertains to the eternal. His own body, now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, I'm not even going to say that, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. I have no power. We know she's got no power. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because that's the whole reason why Genesis 16, they got together and said, hey, look, I can't do this. Let's get Hagar, an Egyptian, my Egyptian servant. Let's bring in the arm of the flesh to make this happen. Let's bring in our own ability to make this happen. And so they did. That's Hagar, the Egyptian. Our ability, man's ability, the arm of the flesh. So he's 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Obviously, he was so convinced that he didn't have a part in it, that he had no ability of his own to add to it. And being fully persuaded... I love this. Fully persuaded that what he had promised, this is God himself, he, God, was able also to perform. What God had promised, God alone was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. And then we find in Genesis Later on, after chapter 16, we find the introduction of Isaac, what God had indeed promised, his very own son. Abram was in the land 10 years. See, to me, Abram was born again when the God of glory first appeared as it says in Acts chapter 7. And then I don't know how many years, uh, forgive me, if I, I can't remember if it does specifically say how many years, but I don't know how many years it was from when Abram went from Ur of the Chaldees or when the Lord brought Abram from Ur of the Chaldees to Haran. I don't know how many years that took. I don't know how many years that took. To bring him out of the world, out of one creation, Well, no, I can't say it like that. When the God of glory appeared, he was translated immediately. His heart, on the other hand, where the Apostle Paul would say, set your affection on that which is above, not on that which is below. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So his heart, on the other hand, who knows how long it took for him, for his heart to turn, and he's now in Haran with the understanding that governed Haran. But I do know And who knows how long it took while he was in Haran for the Lord to finally bring his heart, his heart, unto Canaan. 
And see, I say that for the Lord to finally bring his heart, because here's what it is. I'll just real quick. Ur, Haran, this is death, death, ignorance, Canaan, to discover who is present. Immediately, for the soul that's not born again, the moment the God of glory appears, that is the moment of new birth, the moment of salvation, the moment of eternal life, the moment Christ himself appears in your soul, you're immediately brought from this condition, from this state, onto that right there. That's reality. That is reality, whether we acknowledge it, understand it, know it or not. Now, our heart, on the other hand, is usually lagging behind. So, Genesis chapter 16, Abram had been in the land. His heart had finally turned and come, and Abram's now in the land. Ten years. He had been discovering the Lord for ten years. The very first thing that happened to Abram when he came to the land, it says, and the, the Lord appeared. And then from that moment onward, he continued journeying in the land, and all there was to do, all there was to do in the land is discover the one who is present. And that's the, the overview with Abram. All that Abram does is discover the one who is present, because that's all that the Lord does. He makes himself known. One of uh, Melchizedek, the high priest, he discovers the Lord who is present. And then he, you know, when he steps out of purpose, in a sense, from serving this purpose, he goes to Egypt, the Lord brings him back, and now guess what? The Lord appears. He discovers the Lord yet once again. Abram had been in the land serving the purpose of the Lord in his generation for 10 years. For 10 years already. I mean, it says it in the scriptures, 10 years. Genesis chapter 16, 10 years. And yet... Concerning one thing, he considered something less in Christ. But it doesn't change. Hebrews consider Christ Jesus. Everything God has promised, everything God has declared, has been his son. He promised a kingdom that is his son. He promised a branch that is his son. He promised righteousness that is his son. He promised bread from heaven that is his son. He promised living waters, the waters that are made sweet, that is his son. See, we can look at the scriptures and say, oh yes, yes, that's, that's a testimony of Jesus. And yet, when we relate to the Lord, we're still considering something less than Christ himself. But God knows that. He knows that. He knows that we're completely helpless and powerless. The thing is, we just don't know that. We're still convinced that we can. But I thank the Lord 
that he always takes the initiative by his spirit and we begin to consider Christ. We, consider, we begin to consider Jesus himself. And at that moment, just like Abram, we begin to give glory to God. So that's really all that's been on my heart um, because that's what the Lord's placed on my own heart. And I, I kind of see it, oh, we can always see it really clearly in the scriptures, but then when we try to relate to the Lord, it's like even our relating to the Lord. My relationship, our relationship with God is not apart from His Son. Any relationship we have is His Son. Everything hinges upon His Son. And listen, God is fully and completely satisfied and pleased with His Son. It takes a huge weight off. Wow, that means I don't have to perform or do this or don't do that, stop this, stop that. No, 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 it's all based on Jesus. You know, we begin to appreciate Christ. We begin to appreciate the Son. We begin to consider Him more and everything else less. We begin to give more glory to God and less boot camp talks, pep talks, to try to, hey, let's get this thing done. So I don't want to go on and on and I, uh, in that, but I just, I just have it on my heart just from the Lord that regardless of in our minds or in our heart where we see ourselves, it's still the same. It's to consider Christ. And we, when by the Spirit of God we begin to consider Christ, then everything else, listen, it just doesn't matter. It has no, it has no weight. It has no power when we are considering Christ. You know, because that which is of true weight, that which is of true power, that which is of true glory is what's governing our heart. So I, I don't know if I'm making sense. I'm making sense in my own mind, but that's okay. <laughs> that's right. But that's all I had. Um, the Lord bless. If, if I've stirred questions in anyone's minds, you can email me or just shoot it through the website because I, I really... I'm really even now finding myself to still have to trust the Lord for everything. His ability literally for everything. So, Lord bless you all. Have a good Sunday. And we'll see you next time. Amen.